God is good. Amen. Amen. We had a great men's breakfast yesterday. Really good. How many of you men were there yesterday? Man, we had a great, great men's breakfast, men's turnout. Uh, we missed Carl Shaver and Cade. I think they remembered about noon yesterday. <laughs> Carl. <laughs> Cade said, Dad forgot to wake us up and get us over there. I said, Dad forgot? Come on, man. Come on. It's all good. We had a great time. We're going to have more men's fellowships, and I'm excited about that. Great time. The ladies are going to be having their fellowships. And next week is mud volleyball. Man. Y'all don't want to miss mud volleyball now. That's when you get to eat food. You get barbecue in this hand and mud in this one. And you bring the two together. And you get a sandwich. <laughs> but don't boom. Awesome. How many of you have heard of the comedian named Jerry Clower? Anybody that's over 45 here should know who Jerry Clower is. Jerry Clower is an incredible comedian. He's not on this earth anymore. But if you haven't had a chance to hear him before, you can go on YouTube and pull up a lot of his videos. I think every one of his are clean. I don't think there's anything dirty that ever came out of his mouth. But my favorite Jerry Clower story, he had a cousin named Marcel Ledbetter. The Ledbetters are or their, their family that lived there. And uh, he said him and Marcel went out to his daddy's barn, and there was foxes that kept getting into the barn and get messing with the chickens. So every time they would go out there to get those foxes, it said that they would run into this hole that was near the barn. So Marcel got this great idea that him and Jerry, him and Jerry, were going to go get some gasoline. And they were going to pour it down in that hole and light that that hole on fire so they could burn up that fox and if he come running out of the hole then it was jerry's job to catch him and kill him so they come out there and they got two big old buckets of gasoline and they walk over there and marcel he pours a miracle pours them in that hole jerry tell a lot better than i can but uh he said they pour it in there and he said he trails out gasoline many of y'all that have poured gas on a fire on a on a pile to burn you pull that trail out you know especially if you're using gas so that way you light it it don't blow up on you and then uh so he pours that trail out and he says marcel says now jerry i want you to go over there about 50 yards and i want you to stand there and i want you to wait and i'm gonna catch that fox if he comes out this way and you catch him if he comes out that way so jerry clara said i backed up there and i waited on marcel to light that fire he said, and he lit it. Boom! He said, it just blowed up. He said, but the thing we did not remember was when a fox makes one hole to go in, he always makes another hole to go out. He said, and I'm standing over that hole. He said, and flaming foxes are going up my coveralls. Oh! Like I said, he tells it a lot better than I do. Jerry was facing the fire. A flaming fox. But I want to talk to you today about facing the fire. Turn with me to the book of Daniel chapter 3. This story is very familiar to probably a lot of you. And there may be someone here that never heard it before. Daniel chapter 3. And I want to set the time frame up for you. This is 600 years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem. 
And King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the world power of Babylon, had just come into Jerusalem and destroyed the city. He stole all the gold out of the temple and took it back to Babylon. And he slaughtered tons of Hebrews. But there were few that spared that were in exile. And out of the exile, he picks some of the brightest, smartest men from the Hebrews because he wants to convert them into Babylonian ways and use them for his kingdom because they were smart. And so one of those men's name was Daniel who wrote the book of Daniel. If you've never read the book of Daniel, I want to encourage you to go read it. It's an incredible book to read in the Bible. But there are also three Hebrew boys and their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, okay? Now, when he brought them to Babylon, he changed their names because they had Jewish names. So he changed their names. First, he changed Daniel's name to Belteshazzar. It's a long name to have. I prefer Daniel. It's pretty short. But when you've got to spell Belteshazzar on your license, you know, it's kind of a long name to write. And then Hananiah, he changed to Shadrach. Uh, Mishael, he changed to Meshach, which is pretty close. And Azariah, he changed to Abednego. He also changed their literature, and he also changed their language. He taught them how to speak the language of the Babylonians. So what he was trying to do was he was trying to transfer their minds where their wisdom would know the culture of Babylon, and he was going to use that for his kingdom. Are you following me? Okay. So we pick up in, there's, you need to go read chapters 1 and 2 because some great things happen in there. But they had gained some favor with the king. They were put into a position. And in Daniel 3, verses 1 through 7, I'm not going to read that, but let me give you a description of what happens. We see the king has built this huge idol of gold out in the plain of Dura. So there's this field, this plain is called Dura, and he's built this huge idol of gold. Now this idol of gold was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. 90 feet tall, and I don't know how tall the ceiling is in here, maybe 25 feet, I would imagine, pretty close. But you imagine four of these, that high, that's how tall this idol was, of gold. And so they're out on this plane. He gathers everyone together, the rich, the poor, the politicians, the treasurers, the counselors, the uh, uh, leaders, teachers, all these people, everyone in the area. He gathers them up. And he brings them all out there to this plane. And he says this, he says, Now what we're going to do is we're going to play music. And when we do, we want you to bow down before this idol. Fall down and bow down and worship this idol when we play this music. And for any of you that don't do this, you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. So, they played the music. And everybody bowed down. Except for three young Hebrew men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let me say this to you. We're about to get into the meat of this story. 
But this week, many of you are going to walk into the plain of Dura. And in your life, you're going to have to make choices of what you do in your life. And you're going to make that response in either one or two ways. You're either going to make that response out of your, the inner presence of God within you, which is life led by the word of God. Or you will make it the decision out of the outer pressure of the world. Life led by the world's views and opinions. We make that decision every day of our life when it comes to being tested and tried. We decide off of two different decisions. Let's read together. Let's read verses 8 through 12 of chapter 3. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. You made that decree, right, king? Yes, I did. Well, we don't mean to bother you with this, but there are certain, certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So we see here these little rotten Chaldeans went and told the king that the three Hebrews didn't bow down. How many of you know that in this world there are Chaldeans that are watching you? They're watching you. They're seeing what you're going to do. They're seeing if you're going to bow down or not. They're watching to see what decisions you make or not. You say who you are, but let's see what you do. How many know there are people out there that are waiting on you to die? Somebody call up and say, hey, I ain't heard hey from you in a while. Hey, how's so-and-so doing? They don't want to know how that person's doing. They won't know if he's dead yet or not. <laughs> exactly. But like Daniel said when he's done the lines, then he said, Oh, King, I live. <laughs> I live. I'm alive. Chaldeans, the world is watching to see what you're going to do. The little kings of this world. The masters, the managers, they're watching to see what you're going to do. What stand you're going to take. People in your family are watching you. Watching what stand you're going to take. Waiting to see if you're going to bow to the world and do as it demands. If the Hebrew men could tell us through this message today, through this chapter, in this story, if they could tell us three things I believe they would tell us this. First thing they would tell us is don't give 
in. Don't give in. Your faith is going to get tested on your job, at your school, whatever it might be, home, in, in this world, amongst your peers. Your faith is going to be tested. And it's easy to get lost in the crowd. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they could have said, well, everybody's doing it. Let's just do it because everybody else is. They could have even said, you know what? On the outside, I'm going to bow, but on the inside, I know where I stand. They didn't compromise. They took their stand and said, we will not bow. And I want you to notice this too. Notice that they stood together. They stood together. Let me say that again. They stood together. It wasn't one of them. It was all three of them. All three of them. When we as a church stand together with our brothers and sisters in the Lord, we're a lot stronger than if we are by ourselves. Amen? Who in here? I, got, I need a guy who's fairly... Chad, come here, Chad. Come here, I don't even embarrass you. Come here, I need you to do something for me. Everybody say hi, Chad. Did y'all know we had another Chad in the church? Another Chad. Chad, come up here. Oh, not you, Chad. Chad, I want you to take this. I want you to put your thumbs under it. I want you to break it. Okay, pretty simple, right? Okay. Chad broke that pretty easy. All right. Now, Chad, I'm going to give you three of these. Now, I want you to break it the same way. Hold them together and take your thumb and break it. Okay, was that a little harder? A little tougher, wasn't it? A little tougher. Okay, let's, 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 let's put some more in here now. Why are you laughing, Chad? Why are you laughing? I've only got like 12. There's only like 12 or 15 right there. Same way, Chad. Chad, can you break it? Oh, he finally did. Okay, Chad. Okay, Chad. Chad's pretty tough old boy, ain't he? Yeah, you had to pick the biggest guy in the church, right? I did. <laughs> hey, but you know what? That's the way the devil comes at some of us sometimes. He might start off on one person. He might start in a small group. But that's where the church has to stick together, right? Hey, Chad, do you think you can get that? <laughs> oh, no. Chad said no. no. Chad said there's no way. <laughs> Thank you, Chad. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. I'll give Chad a hand. Now that right there is about 20, about 20 little popsicle sticks. Now you saw one, no problem. Three, eh. He had to really get a strain on those 10 or 12. But when we put 20 together, just eight more were together. Do you see how he could not, he couldn't even bend it nor break it. The power of unity in a church and a brotherhood and a sisterhood in a church. When coming together. That's why when Jesus said, go into that place and pray. And I'm going to send the comforter to come. They were in one accord. They were all there for the common reason to know what God had a purpose for their life. God has a purpose for you, but it's not for you to be a maverick. It's for you to join in with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's why we come in corporately and we worship together. That's why we fellowship together. 
That's why it's important for us to stand together. When we have quarrels, when we have troubles, we come together and we fix them. And we listen and we observe. And the young men learn from the old men. And we listen to wisdom and we listen to the word. And the young ladies listen to the older ladies. And we learn. If we come in and we go, well, I've got it all together. I really don't need y'all. Then we're not going to be as strong. That really wasn't even part of my message, but there you go. They took their stand. And now that they took their stand openly, now they have to stand before the king. Let's read verses 13 through 15. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? Now, now, is it true? Now, if you're ready, now if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And listen to this, what he says. He says, and who is the God? Who will deliver you out of my hands? Are you, is it true? He's giving them an out. He's giving them a chance to relent from their beginning decision. Have you ever been put into a decision where you had to do something that was against the grain because of, of where you stood for Jesus? And you had to make that decision, and then you had to. You made that decision and somebody goes, well, he's not going to do it or she's not going to do it. Well, and then you had to go for somebody. Is it true that you're not going to do that? Giving that option. Oh, I'm, I'm, it may be work. It may be whatever. I'm fixing to lose my job if I say, no, I can't do that. Or I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose friends if I say, no, I can't do that. And now you're put into this one-on-one situation to where you have to decide is this really what you want to do? And then he says, now if you're ready. In other words, he's saying, just in case y'all accidentally missed the cue to bow down the first time, I'm going to give you a second chance to do what I told you to do. And then he tacks on the end. If you don't, then this is what's going to happen. And, and, and what little God of yours is going to deliver you out of my hand when this comes. Now, what I want you to know is there is there are many people who would have reconsidered their stand right there. Think about it. They're before the king. They can feel the heat of the furnace. They can hear the crackle of the flame. They can smell the smoke. Thousands of eyes are gazing on them, watching to see what decision. Are they going to defy the king? Are they going to defy the master? And change their position. But let's read verse 16 together. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, 
We have no need to answer you in this matter. What are they saying there? They're saying, hey, king, don't waste your time cranking up the instruments. Don't, don't waste your time to see what we're going to do. Don't, don't give the cue. Don't get the, your little worship leader up there to do his little thing to start the band to worship this false god. Don't even start. Don't even bring it up because we're not changing our mind and where we stand. Verse 17. I love this. If this be so, if what you say is true that you're about to throw us into a fiery furnace, our God... They didn't say my God. He said our God. Remember, they're standing together. Our God, whom we serve. Whom we serve. They're serving the Lord. Well, I thought they were serving the king. They're serving the Lord. They're they're, they're helping the king, doing what the king's got them doing and stuff. But they haven't compromised their faith. They're doing their job, but they haven't compromised their stand. Our God. Whom we serve is able. God is able. Somebody say, God is able. able. Say, God is able. You may not see it, you may not know how, but God is able. God is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. Even if you don't throw us in the fire furnace, whatever you decide to do to us, whatever ill thing because you're such an evil king, whatever you could think of that you could do to us, God's still going to deliver us. But, I love this, and we've said it from the pulpit quite a few times. But if not, if it just so happens that God doesn't decide to deliver us out of this situation, Be it known to you, king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Whether he does or he doesn't, fear did not change their stand. The fear of death, anything, it didn't change their stand. Let me ask you today, what fear is pressuring you today to not take a stand? Is it the fear of losing your job? Is it the fear of losing friends? Is it the fear of losing family? Their faith wasn't based off of God's performance. They weren't playing, let's make a deal with God. Okay, God, we won't bow down, but you got to promise not to send us into the fire. It wasn't based off of his performance. They said, we will stand even Till death. Even to death. Even Job said that. And we sang this song today. This song is amazing. Though you slay me. Yet. Job said yet I will serve you. We said yet I will praise you. Though you ruin me. I will bless your name. No matter what I'm going through God. I'm still going to worship you. I'm going to sing a song to the God who's all I need. He's the one who's all I need. Their faith was not based on God's performance. Some of you have heard this story before, and I want to share it again with you. It's a personal story. Uh, Leanna and I 
we uh, had had two miscarriages earlier in our, our marriage. And about our fourth year into marriage, we, uh, Leanna was pregnant with a son. And she went full term. She had like two weeks left. And uh, she felt something was wrong. She felt like something wasn't going right. And so we went in and uh, to get an ultrasound to get, him, get her checked out. And we found that uh, he did not have a heartbeat anymore. And it was devastating. And they said, we can't do a C-section on you because we don't know what's going on internally. So we're going to have to induce labor for you to have uh, this baby. And so Leanna went through nine hours of labor to have our lifeless son. At 2 o'clock that morning, I'm sitting on the floor beside her bed, and I'm holding her hand, and I'm just, my mind's going because we'd already lost two, and we were so happy about this one and, and the, the tragedy of everything that was happening. And I was questioning what's going on, what's happening, why, why is this happening? I don't understand. And I began to get angry. I began to get mad. And I, I said, God, I quit. I give up. I'm done. Before Leanne and I got married, I had a kind of a small time of rebellion and stuff that I was doing. I was going and singing in bars and and uh, doing some things I wasn't supposed to be doing. And I even said while I was sitting there, I said, I'll just go back to doing what I used to do if this is what I got to go through. And I stood up and I let go of Leanna's hand and she's having contractions and I got into a selfish mode. Guys, ever been in a selfish mode? Pity party? You ever been in that way? So I walk over to the window of that hospital. We're on the second floor. And I pull the shade down, and I'm looking outside. And it's just 2 a.m. in the morning. It's black out there. Nothing's dark. But just below that window, there was a small parking lot for doctors to park in. And... In this area where the doctors parked, there was a, a, some spikes sticking up that you can go over this way, but you can't go over the other way. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, so I'm looking out there, and I look down, and there's one light that's shining right by that entry. And it's shining on this sign, and this sign is just glowing. I mean, it's like God just lit this thing up so that it would be noticeable to me. And on that sign were these words. It said, danger, do not back up. And I broke. I broke. I said, I'm sorry, God. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. I won't quit on you. You never quit on me. I will serve you no matter what. I won't stop. And we went on through the process, and I will say this. Our church family stood by us 
through every moment. They took care of us. And we had that funeral here at this church for our son. And you know what we did in that funeral? We worshiped God. They said, how do you want the funeral to go? We won't worship. Very unorthodox for a funeral. Very peculiar for a funeral. We worshiped. And Sharissa sang peace speaker. I'll never forget it. And I fell on my knees and I lifted my hands. And even right there with my son in that casket, I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I had family that got mad at me. How dare you worship at a funeral? How dare you give God praise for what you went through? You know what I said? I got no other choice. I got no other choice but to praise him. I got no other choice but to say my hope is in you. I got no other choice but to lift my hands and surrender because if I don't have you, I'm dead. I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to lose my life. When Sharissa got up and Chad got up, when Chad got up and was talking about where you've been, where would you be if it wasn't for the Lord? Where would you be? It hit me. That moment hit me. What if I would have walked away? What if I would have quit? Let me ask you something. What if you would have walked away? What if you'd have quit? How many lives because you didn't quit have been touched? Brother Donnie, thousands because you didn't quit. Do you know that God today is speaking into your life telling you don't give up? Don't you quit? Don't give in. Don't tap out to the world. Because somebody's life's going to be changed by what God's going to do into you. I got to hurry here. If they could tell us the second thing, they would say, don't give up. Don't give in and don't give up. Don't let fear stop you. Don't let sickness stop you. Don't let adversity stop you. Don't let ridicule stop you. Whether God does it or he does not, he is still worthy of your praise. Though he slay me, yet I will serve him. Verse 19. The Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. And the expression on his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it usually was heated. Listen. Don't give up when the heat gets turned up on you. Because it's going to get, if you're a born again Christian and you're standing for the Lord, the heat's going to get turned up. And as this world continues and this nation continues in the direction that it's headed, get ready because the heat's getting turned up. The king is furious. 
Let's keep reading. He ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind, to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. These men were bound in their cloaks and their tunics and their hats and other garments and they were thrown into the fiery furnace. And because the king's order was so urgent, the furnace overheated and the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen, there are things that God's going to bring you to. There are fires that God's going to bring you to, but because God is with you, you will survive. But the natural man couldn't survive those things because they don't have God with them. If you didn't have God, you wouldn't survive them. But because you have the Lord, you can. Can I tell you something else? The world wants to bind you up. They want to shut you up. They want to keep you from worshiping and expressing your love for God in public. They don't want you to move. They want you to be still and say nothing. And they fell into the fire. Twenty-three, the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into a burning furnace. Now listen, I want you to get this picture in your mind. We're about to get ready to close. We're coming up to the, 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 the climax of the story here. So here the king has them thrown in. And I'm sure he was enraged and he was angry. He was mad. And he goes, he sits down, breathes a sigh of relief. And then I can imagine he hears this. How great is our God. Sing with me how great. Is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. The king gets up from his throne and he begins to walk over to the door and he's squinting his eyes. How great is our God. Can you see me, king? How great is our God. Because all will see how great, how great is our God. King goes, hey, 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 hey. Somebody remind me, uh, didn't we throw three men into that fire? Didn't we? Oh, oh, yes, king, we did. How great is our God. Come on, Shadrach, sing with me. How great is our God. Wait, guys. I, I see four men in that fire. And all will see how great, and they're unbound, how great, and they're unhurt, is our God. Can I tell you something? Sometimes you go through a fire just to get the things that are binding you off of you. Because when you're in a fire... And you're bound up. 
The only choice you got sometimes is just to go, how great are you, God? Oh, how great. And God says, oh, you're not going to get hurt in this one. We're just going to remove that stuff that's been kind of holding you back. Sometimes you go through a fire just so the world can see you come out of it. I don't want to go through a fire. If you don't go through the fire, nobody will ever see. That's your testimony, the things that you go through. The fires that you go through. 26 through 30. He said the fourth man looks like the son of God. How did he know what he looked like? You know why? He had a revelation. There was a revelation that took place. And he goes on, he says, Nebuchadnezzar came near the door of the burning fire. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God. He'd been converted. (laughs) You know that because of some of the stuff that you go through, people will see that there is a God and it will convert them. Did you know that? My goodness. He said, come out and come here. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the, and the satraps and the perfects and the governors and the king's counselors, they gathered together. They were like, what's going on over here? What's happening, king? What are the- oh, my goodness. And saw that the fire had not had any power over their bodies of those men. The hair of their head was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. No smell of fire was even on them. They didn't even stink from their situation they'd been through. <laughs> I started thinking of that song. It's getting hot in here. And I thought, and I still got my clothes. <laughs> I don't know why. Just That's the way my brain works sometimes. I'm sorry. Nebuchadnezzar answered, This is what the king says. Listen, this king who said, whose God's going to deliver you out of my hand? This is what he says. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. Any God except their own God. They gave up their bodies. They gave up their will. They gave up their dreams. They gave up life and said, I will not bow down. I will not serve any other God but Jehovah God. And not only were they saved, the king is converted. (laughs) Listen to this. Therefore, I make a decree. I make a decree. This is what I got to say right now. Everybody listen up. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Can I tell you that the God of heaven and earth can rescue you in no other way than the way he can? I don't care if you look to to your finances to trust in somebody else, to your job to trust in somebody else, to your school to trust in somebody else. No one can rescue you and save you 
like Jehovah God can. Mm. Then, I love this, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. Promoted. Promoted. Well, if I, if I tell my boss no, I'm going to get fired. You might get promoted. Depending on your attitude. I ain't working on Sunday. I don't care what you say. That's not how you do it, boys. Some of you are going through a fiery trial or trials in your life, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, your job, your school, your marriage, relationships. Bow your heads. Bow your heads with me. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. And I want you to listen. He's saying, don't you give in and don't you give up. And the third thing he's saying is, don't you give out. Don't you quit. Don't quit serving me. Don't quit trusting me. Today, you need to plant your feet. You need to spiritually get your backbone strengthened. And you need to stand in the midst of your fire. Don't be a whiner. Be a worshiper. But I want to say something else. Some of you today, and I love you, but listen, you're in a fire, but it's self-induced. You got a gas can in one hand and a match in the other, and you're saying, God, why aren't you in my fire? And you're doing things and making bad choices in life. And you're making decisions that aren't good. And you're putting yourself in situations because of the choices that you're making. And you're burning yourself up. And it's consuming you. And God says today, stop inflaming your circumstances and repent. Day. It's time for you to give God the gas can. Lay it down. Start making godly choices and trust Him and have faith and believe that God can do what He says He can do. Are you going to go through troubles and trials and fiery times? Yes, you are. But if you're doing it in the will of the Lord, then God will be there with you in the midst of it. And it'll be a testimony. And he'll burn off the things that are binding you. Whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today, would you respond by coming to this altar and make a decision today to stand on the Word of God? Not be influenced by pressure, but be influenced by His presence. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come up. Corey and Rachel, could y'all come up too, please? Please.
Listen, if you need prayer, you can come pray with one of these. If you have never made Jesus Lord of your life and you've never become a Christian and you're going through some fires and you need Jesus, today is your day. I want you to come down here and I want you to take one of these people by the hand and say, I need Jesus in my life. And they're going to pray with you. And they're going to show you how you can make Jesus Lord of your life. They're not going to embarrass you. They're not going to do anything crazy. They just want to tell you how to make Jesus Lord of your life. But whatever it is right now, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, whatever it is, today is the day to deal with it. As we stand to our feet right now, come on, come.